0: Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength yet their span is but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be have compassion on your servants. Satisfy in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes. Yes establish the work of our hands this is god's word
1: good morning let me uh, add my welcome my name's phil if uh, we've not had a chance to meet i hope you'll be able to stare around afterwards it would be uh, great to to meet you over tea and coffee we're going to work our way through psalm 90 so if you keep that open on page 599 let's pray as we look at god's word together Uh, Father, we need your help to understand your words, that we might think true things about you. We pray, Father, that whether we're familiar with these things or very new to them, that you would help us to grow in our understanding of the truth about you. Amen. Londoners always think they're short of things, but the bizarre thing is, I often meet Londoners who, um, I've never met a Londoner, actually, who said they're short of food. We're just surrounded by food, it seems. I've rarely met Londoners who say that they don't have enough work. Sometimes that's, a, sometimes that's an issue short-term, but most of us have got too much work. I find actually there's a surprising number of Londoners who would say, I have enough money. I know, I know, hard to believe, but actually they're, they're out there. There are quite a lot of them. But there is one commodity that I have never, ever, ever met a Londoner who said they had enough of. We're all short of it, We're always wishing we had a little more of it, even though we all have the same amount of it. All of us seem to lack time. Time is a relative concept. There's a. My dad's the sort of person who told me ridiculous limericks. One of his favorites, um, given his profession, was this one. There once was a lady named Bright who traveled much faster than light. She shot off one day in a relative way and came back the previous night. And if you don't understand it, you're probably sitting near an imperial student who will explain it to you afterwards over coffee at some length. But the thing is, it's not just astrophysicists who understand that time is relative. We all feel that way. I mean, the last hour of work on a Friday is an hour. The last hour you have with the person you love before they have to leave is also an hour. The hour you're going to spend listening to this sermon is... (laughs) all the same amount of time and yet they feel rather different don't they don't worry (laughs) lack of time though frustrates us not because we're short of time as if time is this precious thing lack of time frustrates us because we're short of time for the things that matter and that matter to us we're short of time with family and friends we're short of time for our health Time at home, time relaxing, time reflecting, time for things that we love, time for things that give us joy. These things matter to us and they're important to us and therefore we find our lack of time a hugely frustrating and pressing issue. And this psalm, Psalm 90, is all about time In it's 21 short verses, there are 17 short verses, there are 21 phrases to do with time. It is all about a right perspective on time. And in it, God teaches us how to understand time so that you and I will live wisely, so that we'll recognize the reality in which we live and that we'll live well in the light of it. It sort of splits up roughly as uh, verses 1 to 11 teach us truths and then verses 12 to 17 apply them. They explain what it means for you and me as we as we live our lives. Uh, you've got the points there on your, on your outline. Uh, firstly, Verses 1 to 6, enduring God and fragile, fading man. These verses are really all about contrasts. You've got an immortal God and then mortal men. You've got an enduring God and then transient, fading men. You've got a solid God and then men who crumble. Verse 1, a prayer of Moses, the man of God, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Generations come, generations go, but through all, God is a great stone fortress, a place of solid refuge to all who turn to him. You get that wonderful picture of it in these huge old stone church buildings up and down the country. Generations come and generations go, but we find refuge in the God who is worshipped there, just as our forefathers did. Verse 2, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Mountains are just so vast and immovable and dependable. There's something awe-inspiring about the sight of a great ridge of mountains. It's, it's why our forefathers built shrines to the gods on them. Because there's something permanent that we can cling on to and, and find security in the mountains. But God is before the mountains. There is a time when Mount Everest was just just a sketch in the mind of God, just an imagined idea of what would someday be. And there will come a time, if earth endures that long, when Mount Everest would just be dust. But God is forever. Verse 3. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. It is one of the simplest and yet most profound truths of the Bible. This is is something, if we don't get our heads around, we haven't understood anything about the Bible, and it's this. God is not like me. The God of the Bible is not like me. God made man in his own image at the start of human history. And ever since then, humans have been trying to remake God in our image. But God is not like us. He is eternal. We are temporary. He is from everlasting to everlasting and we are from dust and to dust. We will soon return. The point again in verse four is one of comparison. Uh, This is not a, a scientific description of time in the dimension of God and time in the dimension of us as if we can get out our calculators. This is a, this is a point of comparison, an image for us. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch. In the night. See, a thousand years is longer, not just than a human life or a human rule, but it's longer than a human dynasty. No dynasty lasts a thousand years. And yet, God reigns forever. And a period of time longer than any human dynasty could ever hope of ruling is just a moment in the mind of God. God is eternal. And that means his perspective on time is very, very different from my perspective on time. We'll think more about it in a minute or two. But it should be no surprise to us that God is frustratingly slow. He just doesn't view things the way that you and I view them. He's not like us. He's not in the same rush that we are. Come on, it's got to happen now. And so we shouldn't be surprised if God's ways seem just agonizingly slow to creatures like us. And in contrast to us, to God, we humans are like the grass. Here today and gone before you know it. So fragile that a few days without rain, if you can imagine that concept, living in England. Or too strong a sun, again, if you can imagine that concept, living in England. And the grass is gone. Verse 5, you sweep men away in the sleep of death. They're like new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. One of the things uh, with a slightly slower schedule in the summer is that you do have time to watch some sports. There is still some on terrestrial television. You've had Wimbledon, Tour de France... uh Remarkably, the football season seems to have started already. I don't know how that's possible, but it does. It's already going on. Um, but yesterday was the, the anniversary games at the Olympic Stadium. And so Mo Farah was there, Usain Bolt was there, and uh, Mo won. It was a chance to see the ridiculous Mo bot again, the most stupid celebration in sporting history. It must be. But he won, so he got to do it. But the thing is, he may be able to run 10,000 metres in around half an hour right now. Just Wait. Just wait, 10, 20, 30 years' time, it'll take him that long to go 100 meters. A few years after that, he won't be going anywhere at all except for six feet under in the ground. Because even the best, even the strongest, even the most impressive humans, 70, 80, 90 years, and we're done. But you see, the problem is not just a physical problem. Uh, that our bodies don't seem to last that long. And and we do have this problem that although our souls seem to to get the idea of living forever, our bodies just aren't designed to to do that. But the problem isn't just physical. The problem is spiritual, as we'll see in the second part of this psalm. Verses 7 to 11, where we're introduced to the righteous and wrathful God, and we learn about the sinful and suffering man. Verse 7, we are consumed by your anger, and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Now we rather balk at the idea of God's wrath. It's not a nice word. We may concede that uh, we don't love God perfectly. Uh, but deserving his wrath seems a big step. And one of the reasons I, I would have thought in a church like this is that most of us are just so respectable. Our lives are not full of publicly disgraceful sins we're not running around mugging people we're not abusing children we're not swindling pensioners and so we struggle to see that our sins could be serious enough to deserve the anger the wrath the punishment of God but verse 8 should make us think again you have set our iniquities before you our secret sins in the light of your presence you see God sees what you and I hide God sees the thoughts of our hearts, the worst thoughts and the most shameful desires that are hidden from anybody else, even our closest friends. God sees them. He has night vision. Nothing is in the dark when it comes to God. And so what you and I think we've hidden in darkness, God sees in broad, broad daylight. And so, verse 7 to 11, God is angry with humanity and we pass our days, verse 9 under his wrath and finish with a moan. Now the picture is not God malevolently growling in heaven and zapping us for each individual infraction of his law that he sees us carrying out. Rather the picture is more of humanity as heroin junkies wallowing around in the filth and stupidity of our addiction, cutting our feet on windows we've smashed in stupid anger. Suffering the consequence of our own selfishness and stupidity. That is God's judgment on us. That is the sign of God's wrath that he has allowed us to do what we want. And verse 10, because of that, the length of our days is 70 or 80 if we have strength. Now in our culture we think we can live way beyond that. But globally, globally 70 or 80 years is quite something. And the truth is we may be able to spin out our days for a few more years with wonderful health care. But as humans we live on borrowed time. And one day we will all reach the end of our days and it will not be long. Verse 11 then opens our eyes to the other thing that I think we so often forget about sin. Who knows the power of your anger for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. You see, the seriousness of an offense, of my sin, of, uh, of my failure to love God and other people, the seriousness of, of my selfishness is related to the person that I offend. So if I lose my temper with my dog, that's not good. If I lose my temper with my wife, that is much more serious. She is a human being made in the image of God. And she's not just any human being, she is my wife whom I have a particular responsibility to love and cherish. I doubt we can ever imagine how serious an offence it is to ignore, to treat as nothing, to mock, to disobey. Not just another human being, but the God in whose image we're made, enjoying all the good gifts he gives and ignoring the giver. It is worse than a husband cheating on a wife in their own bed. It is far worse than that. It is worse than a child turning her back on her parents after they've nurtured, provided for, paid for, cared for, loved for her all her childhood. It's actually an infinite offence because it is against an infinite God. And that is why Moses says that we live our lives under the wrath of God. But it is not the end of the story in this psalm. The first half is uh, all contrasts. Eternal God, ephemeral or fading man. Holy God, sinful man. But now Moses teaches us what we should do in response to this. And the first thing he tells us, verse 12, is, to, is he calls on us to pray for wisdom. Wisdom. Verse 12, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, you and I do not lack for knowledge. Uh, Between Wikipedia and Google, we have instant access to basically every shred of information in the world at any moment. A limitless sea of information is at our fingertips. Our problem is not lack of information. Our problem is we don't know what to do with the information. What we lack is wisdom, and wisdom is different from knowledge. Knowledge says, well, gravity accelerates at 10 meters per second square. Wisdom says, I stay back from the edge of the cliff. There is a profound difference between those two things. Wisdom is understanding the world that God has made and then living in the light of reality. Understanding the world God has made and then living in the light of reality. That's wisdom. And in this psalm, the heart of wisdom is verse 12, we learn to number our days, which means that we can know about time, we can, we can count seconds, picoseconds, nanoseconds, we can have atomic clocks which will accurately tell us that we had to add, what was it, a quarter of a second to, um, to a day a few weeks ago. Uh, wisdom is understanding how I should live in the light of the realities of time. And we will only be wise, we will only live well within time if we understand and recognize the normal length of human life and the reality of eternity beyond. Those are the two things that the psalm really presses in on us, the normal length of human life and the reality of eternity beyond. Now, I think we get this wrong in two ways. Well, I get it wrong in these two ways, so I'm assuming you do as well, and I'm going to... Um I'm just going to speak as if you're the same as me in that sense. Uh, there are two ways, and they seem contradictory, actually. I think in some ways we think life is shorter than it is, and in some ways we think it's longer than it is. We forget life is short, and we forget life is long. Firstly, we forget that life is short. You see, our culture encourages us to live as if this life is all that there is, and we will be here a long, long time. It encourages us to plan, to pray, to save, to spend, as if this life is everything. But we are fools if we don't recognize that life is short and it will soon be over. We are surrounded in London by cemeteries, statues, plaques and memorials. So a great picture this week of the blue plaque for George Orwell's house. And somebody's thought it wise to stick up a great CCTV camera right next to the plaque, which I think is the dictionary definition of irony. But you see, these these plaques and monuments that London is full of, they celebrate great men and women of the past, but they are also great warning signs to us today for the present, saying, even the greatest of men and women, they all die. They soon die. And most of them are forgotten. I've never heard of the majority of the people whose blue plaques I see as I walk around London. And I wonder if you've got this. See, the danger is we're so good at planning for our 80 years on earth that we forget entirely to plan for our 80 billion years to come. Be wise. Number your days. Know that life is short and fragile, that dust is what we are, and to dust we will all soon return. Don't allow the good things that God has given us to distract us away from thinking about, planning sorting our relationship with the God who gave them. It will not be long before it is our turn to stand and give an account before God on Judgment Day. We are here only a short while and our great home, our permanent home and our great treasure is still to come. And the same is true of the people we live and work with. And so nothing, to be frank, nothing can be more important than getting ourselves ready to meet God so that we are ready for the eternity with and beyond. And nothing, once we've got ourselves ready to meet God, can be as important as helping others to do so. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus. And when you have done so, the, make the consuming passion of your life, helping other people to be ready for eternity to come. But bizarrely, while living for today and ignoring the reality of eternity, we also make the mistake of forgetting that life is long. You see, we're an instant generation. We want answers now. We want resolution now. We have no patience for things that, that take time. Why read the book when you can watch the movie? But God is eternal. And God's ways are slow. You know, we're staring at the seconds on the stopwatch. And God is thinking in terms of decades and years when he's in a rush. We pray desperate for God's help and we get no answer and we see no change. And how long do we wait before we just give up on God and conclude he's forgotten us? A few weeks? Six months? A couple of years? This is the God who waited 400 years with his people in slavery before he rescued them. This is the God who kept Moses and the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years before he brought them to the promised land. This is the God who had Joseph a slave and in prison for 14 years before he rescued him and made him prime minister. We forget that God's priority is my character not my comfort and the growth of character is a slow and a steady work. See the rough edges of my character are like granite and it takes time and serious pressure to smooth them out. We want God to be a rushing wind who blasts through and changes things but instead we find God as a glacier. We can see no evidence of his progress but over time he is carving out mountains. He is at work wearing down the pride and the laziness, grinding out the lust and the selfishness chipping away at the ugly jagged sins refining us so that we'll both be something more noble and virtuous something more like the image of God that we were originally made to reflect but also making us the sort of people who will enjoy and delight in and fit in with the permanent beautiful joy-filled adventurous home that he's made for us for eternity and in the light of that in the light of that, you and I ought to plant a few more trees. Don't worry, I've not gone all eco-warrior. What I mean is that you, planting trees is slow work. You plant a tree and you see nothing for decades or even centuries for it to be fully grown. And sometimes we're so so small-minded in our understanding of time that we, we never do anything that might bear fruit in the long term. Whereas if we understand time, we will invest ourselves in things that may grow as slowly as trees. Don't just give money to short-term relief projects. Invest in Bible colleges that take decades to to train people and to affect a culture change in churches. Invest yourself in things that might take generations to pay off. Invest yourself in studying God's word and serious doctrine. You might have to Spend years studying to really start to develop the deep foundations or to really grapple with some of the things you're reading with. But it is worth it. Fifteen minutes a day and you'll have read the whole Bible one and a half times every year. But we're we're so aware of I have very little time that we sometimes forget we may be here for decades. Invest yourself in serious things, in slow things, in patient things. But thankfully, the psalm doesn't just tell us that God is great, we're tiny, that God lasts forever, that we last a short while, so live rightly. It also provides an answer to uh, to that fear in the middle of a God of judgment. As Moses prays in verses 13 to 15 for a God of compassion. And in fact, if we as we face up to the sober realities of this psalm, I guess we will feel the need to do what Moses has done. As he prays, relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. See, the great irony of the Bible is that when you find out that God is not just a cuddly grandfather, but is a beautifully just and holy God, the answer is not to run away from him as we're tempted to. The only safe place is to run to him. He is the rock. As well as the judge. And when we turn back to God, we find he is redeemer as well as judge, forgiver and rescuer as well as punisher. That he is full of compassion, verse 13, and unfailing love, verse 14. Now, of course, Moses could use the words compassion and unfailing love. We know the name, Jesus Christ, in whom those words became flesh as God didn't just promise forgiveness but paid for it. As Jesus died on a cross, our need for forgiveness became not just a hope and a prayer, but a guarantee that God had acted out in history. And so we can look forward to forgiveness and eternal life with God, no longer fearing his judgment if we trust in the Lord Jesus. We can look forward to the morning that comes after the night of death. We can know, verse 15, that God will make us glad for as many days as he has afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. See, eternal life will be better than earthly life in two ways. Firstly, the pleasures of eternity, the Bible tells us, will be so much deeper and so much richer and so much more solid that they will more than make up for anything we miss out or suffer on earth. But secondly, they will last for longer. You see, there is just no way that the most tragedy-filled, pain-wracked, disappointing 80 years on earth can ever, ever match the 80 billion years of delight that the Lord has planned for those who trust in him. And so we come to the final verses. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us establish the work of our hands for us yes establish the work of our hands it is rather depressing to think that we're like grass that we sprout and we flourish and we make a big noise for a few days on this earth and in no time like ozymandias will have just faded into the sands for all our toiling and striving who of us will really leave anything that lasts Stick up a hand if you can, if you know, no need to shout it out, the name of your great grandfather. I think I roughly do. Your great great grandfather. Your great great. Couple of generations and they're gone. And we're their offspring. Who of us will be remembered? And yet bizarrely, deep down inside us, there is this need for permanence. We, we have this awareness that we want to last. We want to matter. It's awful to think that we might live and, and strive and do and die and be totally forgotten. But then we are dust and we leave nothing. But there is one who is eternal. The one who is before and after the mountains and god is able to establish the work of our hands to give us a legacy that lasts there's a wonderful uh, verse in 1 corinthians 15:58 always give yourselves fully to the work of the lord because you know your labor in the lord is not in vain hebrews 11:3 talks of those who have trusted god in the past as still speaking through their lives today And that need, that desire, that desperate yearning to matter, to last, to do something worthwhile while we're here on earth. When we turn to the God who is eternal, the God who remembers, the God who records in his book, we find our lives do matter. Nothing is forgotten. Everything is seen. And everything done for the Lord will last. And our names and our deeds will endure forever If they're done for the Lord. The challenge is that this God forgets nothing. He sees everything. And one day we'll stand before him and give an account. The delight is to know that in the Lord Jesus we're forgiven. And what an encouragement. To know that for all our weakness, our frailty and the transience of our lives. We serve an eternal God. And in him we too can be eternal. And our lives can matter for eternity and achieve for eternity and do things that last for all eternity. Let's pray. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Father, we live in time and we pray that you would help us to understand not just the times in which we live but the time that we have. And our Father, we pray that you would help us to, to turn to you, to, to sort out eternity rather than just be consumed with the things of this world. And we thank you so much that eternity will not see us dissolve into nothing, but you will establish the work of the hands of your people. And we will not fade or disappear to nothing, but in you, the eternal God, we will last and endure. And even our lives will prove to have mattered if they've been lived in and through and for you. Amen.